0: Hello listeners and welcome back to The Donut of Destiny, the podcast on all things cardiac CT for anyone interested in cardiovascular imaging. My name is Praveen Ranganath and I'm with radiology at the Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston in the United States. I am joined by a new voice on the podcast today, a good friend and colleague, Dr. Nidhi Malan. Welcome on board, Nidhi.
1: Well, hello Praveen. Thank you so much for having me on board.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us, Nidhi. Nidhi, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you are currently, and what your area of interest is in cardiac CT?
1: Absolutely. My name is Nidhi Madan. I'm currently an Interventional Cardiology Fellow at Rush University Medical Center in Chicago in the United States, and I will be pursuing Structural Heart Disease Fellowship next year. My main area of interest in cardiac CT revolves around my training in structural heart disease and related interventions.
0: Excellent. Well, welcome onto the podcast, Nidhi. I am so excited to have you. On today's episode, we are going to be covering the ins and outs of CT fractional flow reserve or CTFFR. We will cover how it started, how it works, how it's been validated, and where we think CTFFR is headed next. (laughs) I know that sounds like a lot of ground to cover, and it is, so we'll be staying more at the 10,000 feet level rather than diving into the nitty-gritty details.
1: That sounds great. But before we dive in, Praveen, let's remind our listeners of the current climate in management of coronary artery disease. As we know, in acute coronary syndromes, revascularization has clearly demonstrated reductions in morbidity and mortality. However, in stable CAD, the impact of revascularization is not as clear.
0: That's right, Nidhi. 20 years ago, we all thought that opening up tight stenoses would result in better outcomes. But this argument has not quite held up over time. Many robust trials over the last decade have demonstrated no incremental benefit of PCI over medical therapy alone in most types of stable disease.
1: Yeah, and that's exactly right, Praveen. You're talking about the Courage, Barry 2 d and the recent ischemia trials, correct?
0: That's exactly right. The results of those studies and many others have shifted the narrative on stable CAD. Not all visually tight stenoses need revascularization. Anatomy does not always predict outcomes.
1: Well, Praveen, this begs the question, beyond just anatomy, does physiology have incremental value in predicting which patients would benefit from revascularization? Or stated another way, do patients do better if we open up only the hemodynamically significant stenoses and leave the insignificant ones alone?
0: Nidhi, the short answer to this question is yes. Physiology does predict which patients do better with PCI. This predominantly derives from work in invasive FFR. Can you break down invasive FFR for us, Nidhi?
1: Yeah. Invasive FFR, as the name states, is an invasive catheter-based method of measuring pressure differentials across a coronary stenosis. What we do is we use a pressure-sensing wire that is passed across a stenosis. Intracoronary adenosine is given for vasodilation, and the pressure downstream from a stenosis is then compared to the upstream pressure in the aorta. The FFR value is expressed as a ratio of distal pressure to proximal pressure. It is generally thought that a stenosis is hemodynamically significant if it has an FFR of less than or equal to 0.80. In this way, FFR can tell us about the physiologic impact of an anatomic stenosis.
0: That is a nice review of invasive FFR, Nidhi. Two important studies that validated an FFR-based PCI approach were the FAME and FAME-2 trials, whose results were published in 2009 and 2012. The first FAME trial compared an FFR-guided PCI strategy to an anatomy-guided one. The FFR-guided strategy led to fewer composite deaths, MIs, and repeat revascularizations. In the subsequent FAME-2 trial, we went even further, comparing medical therapy alone to medical therapy plus an FFR-guided PCI strategy. Lo and behold, FFR-guided PCI led to fewer composite deaths, MIs, and urgent revascularizations, noting that the difference was driven primarily by reduced urgent revascularizations.
1: That is right, Praveen. The results of the FAME trials combined with the interest in FFR from clinicians and industry quickly translated into guideline changes. The 2011 ACC AHA guidelines were updated with a level 2A recommendation for FFR-guided PCI in stable CAD. All in all, FFR established itself as a powerful tool in guiding PCI for a stable CAD.
0: Now we ask the question, can we estimate the hemodynamic significance of a stenosis without the need for an invasive test? Enter CTFFR. We know that coronary CTA is a superb non-invasive test, though it's traditionally thought of as an anatomic test, not a physiologic one. However, ever since the validation of invasive FFR, a tremendous amount of resources have been invested in techniques to estimate CTFFR non-invasively.
1: That's right. And we will focus on just one of the many CTFFR techniques. And that's not because the others are less accurate, but rather because this technique is the most well-studied and is currently the only one that is FDA-approved, CE-marked and commercially available.
0: Yes, Nidhi, and that CTFFR technique is the solution from heart flow based on 3D computational fluid dynamics. Let's start by talking about what actually is computational fluid dynamics, often abbreviated CFD. Nidhi, can you break down CFD without using too much physics and mathematics mumbo-jumbo?
1: Well, me, I'll give that a try. So computational fluid dynamics as you said, abbreviated as CFD, can be thought of as a sophisticated application of the laws of conservation of mass and of momentum. It's been a well-established principle in many engineering disciplines for decades now.
0: Nidhi, could you briefly walk us through how we get from the CTA data to those pretty CTFFR pictures that I'm sure many of our listeners have seen already? As in, can you talk to us about what's going on behind the scenes?
1: Yeah, Praveen, you know, there are a few key steps that go behind the scenes. The first step is basically creation of the patient-specific 3D coronary geometry. The next step is calculation of the myocardial mass that is supplied by each coronary.
0: Okay, so it sounds pretty straightforward so far. You take the CT data, you enhance the resolution, plot some center lines, and quantify some myocardium. Uh, what's next?
1: Well, from there onwards, the coronary microvascular resistance is simulated at rest and at stress. I know it sounds crazy to use a computer to predict coronary response to a stress agent like adenosine, but there are actually very robust mathematical models designed for this purpose.
0: Oh boy. Uh, All right. So we're using the derived CT data as an input for some fancy mathematical modeling, I guess.
1: Yeah, and just you wait, Praveen. The math gets even fancier. The last step in the process is to use these simulated resistance values to model coronary pressure differences. To do this, the Navier-Stokes equations that predict blood fluid dynamics are used. These are a set of nonlinear partial differential equations based on conservation of mass and momentum balance. Now, running these complex partials for every point on the coronary tree takes a tremendous amount of computing power.
0: Nidhi, that exact point is often cited as one of the major pitfalls of this CTFFR method. The analysis is so computationally demanding that it requires off-site data transfer to the HeartFlow supercomputers just to do So to emphasize, this is not a workstation-based technique for CTFFR. The turnaround times can range from hours to days for each case.
1: That is exactly right, Praveen. While we are talking about pitfalls, can you touch on the high rejection rates for analyses with CTFFR?
0: Yeah, so for CTFFR, the underlying CT data needs to be nearly pristine quality to do this very intricate analysis that you just described, Nidhi. That means you need good vessel opacification, high SNR, no slab artifacts, no motion artifacts, etc. Remember, adequate scan quality is not a guarantee given the heterogeneity of patient populations, scanner types, and different acquisition techniques across institutions. This results in a rather high rejection rate for CTFFR analysis this is usually quoted as the major limiting factor in uptake of CTFFR to begin with. Based on some of the most recent major trials and registry studies, rejection rates float around the 10% range. I admit that growing experience with CTFFR and newer scanner technology can mitigate some of these rejections, but that said, I still suspect that the rejection rates are going to remain just as high, if not a little bit higher as community uptake increases, where the scan quality, it just won't be as good as it is in expert institutions. I'm saying all this not to knock this method, but more just to keep the limitations in mind as we discuss this forward.
1: For sure, Praveen, you made some good points there. Now, can you talk to us about the validation of this method of CTFFR?
0: Sure, Nidhi. Uh, since the first publications in 2011, many randomized trials and observational studies have validated CTFFR against invasive FFR. The largest and most popular trials that I'm sure some of our listeners have heard of are the Discover Flow, DeFacto, NXT, and Platform trials.
1: Huh, that's interesting. Can you summarize the main force of these trials, Praveen?
0: Nidhi, rather than break down each of these trials individually, let's just talk big picture. The results of these trials and other major CTFFR studies are summarized really well in a recent meta analysis from Jack Imaging in July 2019. The meta analysis includes just over a thousand patients with vessel specific data on 2,600 vessels in those patients. In that meta analysis, the pooled specificity of CTFFR was 0.76 on a per-patient basis and 0.78 on a per-vessel basis. This compares to specificities of 0.48 and 0.61, respectively, for just CTA alone, so obviously much lower. The pooled sensitivities were essentially equal between CTFFR and CTA alone in comparison to invasive FFR.
1: Got it. And the low specificity with CTA alone keeps with the general thinking that CT overestimates significant stenosis and leads to more false positives. That bump in specificity with CTFFR is so telling of its incremental benefit over CTA alone.
0: That's exactly right, Nidhi. And I want to focus on something interesting in the per-vessel analysis in that meta-analysis. We can think of CTFFR values in three different buckets clearly positive, indeterminate, and clearly negative for hemodynamic significance. There's great agreement between CTFFR and invasive FFR for the clearly positive and clearly negative lesions. When I say that, I mean the ones with CTFFR values less than 0.74 or greater than 0.82. In the meta-analysis, the agreement for those CTFFR values was 87% with invasive FFR. However, The indeterminate CTFFR window between 0.74 and 0.82, the agreement is rather poor at only 54%. Overall, we can trust that the clearly negative and clearly positive CTFFR values are going to match what we see at invasive FFR, but those indeterminate CTFFR values can really go either way.
1: Got it. You know, CTFFR is undeniably robust. And beyond just accuracy, cost-effectiveness analyses were also integrated into several of the big CTFFR trials. On average, CTFFR reduced downstream costs by about 30 to 33% without any adverse impact on clinical outcomes.
0: Okay, so this was a lot of information in a very short time. Nidhi, can we summarize CFD-based CTFFR quickly?
1: Sure, Praveen. CFD-based CTFFR is an accurate computationally demanding technique for identifying hemodynamically significant coronary stenosis with a non-invasive test. CTFFR values are reliable when clearly positive or clearly negative, but much less reliable when indeterminate. CTFFR is FDA-approved, CE-marked, and commercially available. The major limitations in uptake are high rejection rates and long turnaround times.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Nidhi. Tell us this. Has CTFFR made it into any major society expert consensus guidelines?
1: You know, Praveen, in the UK, the National Institute of Health and Care Excellence issued a statement in 2017 supporting CTFFR in appropriately selected stable chest pain patients, that being said, CTFFR has not made its way into any multi society consensus guidelines or appropriate use criteria as yet.
0: I anticipate that that's going to change pretty soon, so we will be keeping our eyes open. Nidhi, before we wrap up, can you talk about in what clinical scenarios you find CTFFR the most helpful?
1: For sure. The main situation in coronary CTA where I find CTFFR most impactful is with moderate stenosis. A moderate stenosis is the one with 50 to 69% luminal diameter narrowing, which falls under the CADRADS3 score. I would traditionally recommend additional functional testing to see how significant the stenosis is. With CTFFR, though we can be more definitive in classifying a moderate stenosis as clearly negative or clearly positive without really needing additional workup. More often than not, these moderate stenoses on CT end up being clearly negative by CTFFR, which can really save the patient a trip to the cath lab.
0: Nidhi, this has been great. I hope this overview of CTFFR has been helpful for our listeners out there. But there is so, so much more to talk about here. For example, how has CTFFR performed in the real world? Or what's the status of the other non-CFD-based CTFFR techniques? What about PCI modeling with CTFFR? What is the impact of CTFFR on clinical outcomes? How do institutions out there start and maintain a good CTFFR program? How is CTFFR reimbursed?
1: Praveen, I cannot agree more. We're just scratching the surface of CTFFR. We will definitely get more in-depth with CTFFR in future episodes of the podcast. But I encourage our listeners to reach out to us and let us know what they want to hear.
0: Listeners, keep this conversation going on Twitter and whatever platform you use to listen to our podcast. From Nidhi and me, a big thank you to our listeners out there. If you like what you hear on the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Please tell your friends about us. Once again, this has been the Donut of Destiny. Thank you, everyone. Cheers.